Well, good afternoon, everybody. We're delighted that you're here. Thank you for coming. We had an amazing service. Of course, our early morning service, it was just, it was excellent. And uh, I know you're glad to be here. And uh, um, one more time, simply out of honor to the word of the Lord, would you stand with me? This is Jesus talking to a much married lady at a well. I guess she wasn't even married this time. She was, she was shacking up. And uh, people, don't, people don't come to the well in the afternoon. Women came in the morning and the evening. You don't come in the afternoon. The only reason you come in the afternoon is you want to be alone. Jesus sent all of his disciples away. He said, go buy some bread. Custom built this witnessing session with this woman. Sits down there and said, would you give me something to drink? She says, you're, you're a Jew. What in the world are you asking a dog like me to give you something to drink? This was his response. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Amen. If you have a good attitude, you can sit down. We're grateful for all of our guests, guests that are with us today. Thank you so much for coming. We honor all of our graduates. And uh, I remember them asking me, I don't know, I think it was probably 16, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? It's like, I have no idea. You, you, ever been, you ever been lost in a city and it's like everybody else knows exactly where they're going except you? That's the way I felt in school. It's like everybody else want, knew what they wanted to do for the rest of their life. I didn't have a clue. And uh, so if by chance one of you are here today and uh, you've already moved that tassel from one side to the other and there's that amazing, whatever, interrogative burden that comes on your spirit. What in the world am I going to do now? Just serve the Lord with integrity. You'll be okay. You'll be okay, all right? If you've ever had anyone die that had any kind of assets, I never have, but maybe you have. Uh, they'll call you into a lawyer's office to read the last will and testament. If you've got a Bible, then you're gonna, that word will be familiar to you. There's an Old Testament. There's a New Testament. I remember, I, you know, I've been around Pentecost all my life. I uh, heard this phrase, the will of God. I guess I was a precocious kid anyway. I always was. I, I've gotten in trouble so many times just for asking questions. <sighs> Used to be a coach for the Green Bay Packers. His name was Vince Lombardi. He had a famous phrase, it's my way or the highway. And that's the way men pastored for years. Some people still pastor like that. I'm the boss, you're the applesauce, you know. It's my way or the highway. Don't even think about asking a question. And, uh, but I did. And uh, boy, sometimes I got in trouble for those questions. I developed an acronym, the, the WOG. I used to call it the WOG. Will of God. Because that phrase terrifies people. It's almost like voodoo. 
Uh, what in the world is, you know, this, this mystical, magical, unattainable something that, what is the will of God for my life? I'm going to make this real simple for you. The will of God is that you be in his church. That's it. Okay? You read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. They all end with the same story. Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What did he teach in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John? I'm going to have a church. 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 He dies, resurrects. When I was a kid, I used to go to my grandma's house and watch something called Gunsmoke. I loved Gunsmoke. James Arness was the sheriff. Matt Dillon. I guess I always liked the beginning of Gunsmoke. Da-na, da-na, na-na, na-na, na-na. And way, I mean way down, like five blocks away, this guy comes out with a black hat, black shirt, black pants, tiny. Matt Dillon comes out. White hat. Doesn't even aim, man. It's amazing. Five blocks away. Guy falls. I was just always amazed at that. Gun smoke. With James Arness as Matt Dillon. Well, Matt Dillon had this guy named Festus. Festus Hagen. He didn't shave. He was Matt Dillon's sidekick. I still remember <clears throat> Matt Dillon left. He took off his badge and he called Festus into the sheriff's office. Hung that badge on Festus's little vest and says, while I'm gone... You're in charge. Boy, Festus, it it meant everything to him. That's my mental model of Jesus and his disciples. He just got them together and said, I'm going to be gone for a while. You're in charge. I want you to build me a church. So that's why you go to the very next book in the Bible, book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm going to have a church. I'm going to have a church. I'm going to have a church. Book of Acts. Which is not just, it's Acts of the Apostles. That's where the church is birthed. Everything else past the book of Acts, all these letters or epistles. One says, I'm going to have a church. The next division says, here's the church. Here's how you get in the church. Everything from the book of Acts on is basically how to stay in the church. And... uh, What, what is the purpose of the Old Testament? Um, Jesus one time, he said, don't, don't think I, I came to destroy the law. He said, I, I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it, which I take to mean fill it full of meaning. For instance, he said, the law says don't commit adultery, which is an action. But I say unto you, don't lust, which is an attitude. If you don't lust, you don't ever have to worry about committing adultery. The law said, don't kill anybody. I say, don't be angry with your brother without a cause. Killing, 
murder, action. Anger, attitude. Thus you have the B attitudes. It's not a Bible word. It will always be in the margin, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the merciful, on and on you go. They are not do attitudes. They are be attitudes. So he, he, he said, I, I didn't come to destroy that. But I came to, to totally help you to understand what's going on here. Because the Bible said the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. If you do your homework with about that phrase... It's in the book of Galatians. Back then in that culture, they didn't have schoolhouses like we have today. But they had a schoolmaster. Schoolmaster would go into the city and the streets where all the kids were. And some days, class would be down by the, by the, by the river. Some days, class would be by the garden. It was the duty of the schoolmaster to get the kids and say, go with me, that's where the lesson's going to be held today. The law was our schoolmaster, it says, to bring us to Christ. And let, let, let me read you. Here's, what, here's one of the saddest verses in the Bible, followed by one of the happiest verses in the Bible. In John chapter 1 and verse 11, it said, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Next verse says, but to as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There's a, I could stay there for a long time, but I'll give you the cliff notes. There are a lot of people talk about receiving Christ as your Savior. and I, I, I think that's a very valid experience of repentance. But if you look at 1 and 12, you've got to do more than receive Christ. There's something beyond that. You need to become a son of God. That's not going to happen to you just because you receive Christ. There's redemption and adoption involved. You're redeemed by blood. You're adopted by spirit. And so the whole purpose of the Old Testament is to teach you, you know, if, if I just knew what God wanted. Let me, you read Leviticus and Exodus it goes into very, very minute detail about what God wanted. But Jesus said, you break one of these laws, you broke them all. And the whole purpose of the Old Testament is God showing these people exactly, exactly what he wanted. But even though they knew exactly what he wanted, they couldn't do it. And that's the purpose of the Old Testament. It's to teach you and lead you to Christ. Because as Hebrews said, if that first covenant would have been faultless, there would have been no need for the second. If the Old Testament was good enough, there would have been no need for the New Testament. And, and the, 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 the entire Old Testament experience left people with a feeling of inadequacy. The, 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 the entire religious system was, was, was designed to make people feel inadequate. When you, when you came before a king in the Old Testament, you had to bring a gift. You, you had to. Now, this is a king, okay? He's already got everything. 
So why do you, why do you bring stuff to someone that's already got everything? But you better bring something. Uh, I, I had a friend died several years ago, Billy Cole. He was a missionary for many years in Thailand. And after being there for several years, he was granted an audience with the king, the king of Siam or Thailand. And he, he showed them to me. He had five single-spaced typed pages of all of the things he had to do when he went to see the king of Siam. And uh, I'll never forget one of them. You had to maintain eye contact with the king at all times. You could never take your eyes off of the king's eyes. Whether he's looking at you or not, you keep... Because if he looked at you and you weren't looking at him, it was a bad day. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, here's Proverbs 17 and verse 8. A gift is as a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it. Whithersoever it turneth, it prospereth. Translation, your life's going to go easier if you give people gifts. Here, here's, here's Proverbs 18 and 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. My dad, who has never been a touchy-feely guy, never, I... Um, it's only been recently uh, that my dad said, uh, I love you. All the time I was growing up, I asked him one time, everybody else's dad tells them they love them. You, you've never said that to me. He said, well, if I don't say anything, just take for granted you're doing okay. <laughs> he said, uh, if, uh, if I got something to say, it's because you messed up. Just, so that's the way it was. My mom was my pal. My dad was my authoritarian. And uh, I, I bought this bag one time in a secondhand store. It's a, a, it was an old doctor's bag. And it was, it was beautiful leather workmanship. It wasn't real expensive. And it's, I've always been a, you know, whatever. Bags, cases, boxes. I don't know what it is. That just appeals to me. Valerie one time and I we left because we could spend all day in office max just I just like all that stuff and uh, I had this bag and I, I, I had all of, all of the letters that I had sent when, when I married Renee she said oh I've got something and wrapped in a ribbon were all the letters and cards that I had sent to her through the years every one of them and I said, well, I got something to show you. I had saved every letter and every card she had sent to me. And so that was treasure to me. And I put it in this leather bag and I had it in my office. I had two letters from my dad. One was a card. The other was a very, very short note. Um, I, I, I was gone and I was broke and I wrote my dad a short Note, and it said, Dear Dad, no mun, no fun, love son. <clears throat> to which my dad wrote me back, Dear son, too bad, so sad, love dad. <laughs> With no money. And uh, <laughs> that was it. And, uh, but I, my, the first card or correspondence I ever received from my dad 
was Proverbs 18 and 16. And, and he had written it out. If you ever get a card from Brother Neto, Honorado Neto, you know what I'm talking about. I love, I save all your cards, but Honorado's cards. He writes scriptures on the side, on the top, down the side, on the back. It's just dozens of scriptures. On I love his cards. My dad wrote that verse out. A man's gift will make room for him. And Harry being Harry said, Harold, I don't know if you have it or not. But if you got it, you won't have to tell anybody. God will open doors for you. And then he said, and if you don't have it, I don't care how many people you say you do, the doors will stay closed. And, uh, but he said, if you've got a gift from God, it'll bring you before kings. It was funny, a couple of months ago we were moving, Harry and mom and dad moving them into the house with us. I looked up in his garage and on the top of this storage rack was my bag, my leather bag that had always been in my office. And I got this sick feeling. And I climbed up and of course when I opened it, they, he threw them all away. He, there's not a sentimental bone in his body. That was just, keep the bag, throw the stuff away, you know. <laughs> I, I, I wish I had it. I had a friend, Joseph Burr. He's been a missionary for many years into South America. It was my birthday. We were in school together in Houston. He said, well, what would you like for your birthday? And I said, I'd like to have a card from Renee Cook. And... Uh, he said, well, I don't know her. I said, I'll tell you what, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to dictate a letter to you, and you send it to her. And it's going to look like it came from you, but I'm really writing the, car, the letter. He said, okay. So he wrote this letter while I'm dictating. Dear Renee, you don't know me. My name is Joseph Burr, but my roommate is Harold Hoffman. He's got a birthday in a couple of days, and I know the thing that would cheer him up more than anything else is a card from you. Would you please send my friend a card so he could have a good day? To which she did, and basically that, it went from there. We got married. I had that letter. She had kept that. It was cool. Harry threw it away. And... Uh, It, it, it could also be a bribe. You know, a man's gift can put him in front of kings. Here's one. Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. If you're known for giving a lot of stuff away, you're going to have friends. This is Old Testament policy. When you appeared before a king, you better have something. And not only that, when you came to church, you better have something. Leviticus chapter 5, verse 6. You have to bring a sheep. You've you got to bring a lamb. You, you have to bring one. If you can't afford a lamb, you go to the next verse. Well, you can bring two turtle doves if you can't afford a lamb. If you can't afford two turtle doves... Then you go to verse 11. It said, go in the kitchen, get some flour. 
But you, when you come to church and you, you can't come without bringing an offering, you've got to bring a sacrifice. And uh, then it says in verse 13, and then, or only then, the priest will make an atonement for you. So you better have a lamb. If you can't have lamb, two birds. If you can't have birds, you better have some really good flour. It was cute. I was leaving yesterday and, and the Amazon guy comes and he drops this box in front of the garage. And I was afraid it was going to rain. So I, I, I picked up this box and it was like, whoa, what is in this box? <coughs> My mother, there's only one flower that I'm not talking about flowers, flowers. I'm talking about baking flour. There's only one flower that works, Robin Hood flour. My mom won't use anything else, if possible, except Robin Hood. I can't find Robin Hood flour. Renee said, I'll find it for you. And she did. And that's what I got yesterday. A 50-pound bag of Robin Hood flour. Some gifts in Leviticus are, are voluntary. They were called sweet savor. Others are mandatory. Sin, trespass. You, you, you were never going to see the king. And you were never going into the presence of God without a gift. It was an insult for you not to bring a present. You see, I, I remember someone asking me a question many years ago. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit a gift. Yes. Well, what if I don't want the gift? I mean, it's a gift. So can I choose to refuse the gift? And I said, yeah, sure you can. I, 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 won't, I, I, sh I could really follow the rabbit hole right now because I spent some time yesterday looking on websites about the laws of re-gifting. People buy you something and you don't want it, but you're going to give it to somebody else. There are rules about re-gifting. Rule number one, never give the gift back to the person that gave it to you in the first place. That's the number one cardinal rule of re-gifting. <laughs> one was, whatever you do, don't use the same wrapping paper that it was wrapped in. At least rewrap it if you're going to re-gift it. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I had a lady, I, I, I fell one time, all the way up there, should have died. I fell there on the concrete, broke all kinds of things. It was a bad day. But I had to go to therapy, physical therapy. I used to call it Helga's House of Pain. And uh, every Saturday, two hours of physical therapy. And this, this woman, she made me cry like a little girl, man. It was just, it was agony. Kelly Gorm just finished physical therapy on his shoulder. We were trading war stories. However, if you don't do that therapy, you won't get the mobility back. You've got to stretch and make those things move when they don't want to move. And so this lady trying to distract me is telling me stories while we're doing therapy. And she told me this great story. She said, when I was a kid, my neighbors were Marion and Mike Illich, the, the, the pizza guy. She said, every Saturday, 
they would experiment in their basement with pizza sauce. And they'd make pizzas and all the kids in the neighborhood were invited to their house for free pizza. And she said, it was just a modest house. They, he didn't come for money. She didn't come for money. Uh, I, I, I remember uh, um, when we were doing some remodeling a couple years ago with the floors. We, we narrowed it down to a couple companies and one of them was uh, Infinity, Infinity, I think Infinity Building Company. And so I called the people up and I said, look, you've been given to me as a reference. Would you mind if I come and see some of the floors in your building before we sign a contract with these people? No, 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 come on down. Gave me an address. So I thought it was wrong, you know, you're putting in that crazy phone. And I go to the Fox Theater. And it says, it's, this is it, you know. So I parked in the garage and I came back and went into the lobby. And of course, there's that little chubby little pizza guy, but he's... I don't know if it was brass or wrapped in gold. He's, he's pretty impressive. He's about that big. And uh, Infinity was the construction wing of Mike Illich's empire. And this guy, it was just a great day. I, I just enjoyed being with the man. And he's shown me all this stuff. And I'm thinking, look what pizzas did for this city. The, 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 the Grand Prix is being held today on Belle Isle. Have you ever heard of Roger Pinsky? Pinsky Automotive, Detroit Diesel, all that. It's just it's Roger Pinsky, Mike Illich, and Dan Gilbert, the CompuWare guy. They, those three guys have almost single-handedly brought a transformation to the city of Detroit. And the, the, the great giving people and and... We, we've, I've never been. Do you realize that Detroit has a world-class art museum? World-class. I've never been. Although I, I like stuff like that. I just never took the time to go down there. Um, you know, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. What if he offers you it? You don't want it. My response was, you don't. He can't. He's not going to burglarize your will. Bible said he's not a king by force. <laughs> he's not going to say, I'm giving you the Holy Ghost whether you want it or not. So my response to the people was, well, if, if you're on dialysis and you need a kidney or you're going to die and somebody offers you a kidney and you say, no, I don't think so, you can deny it, but you're going to die. We're not, we're not talking about pizzas here. It's something bigger. There, there are gifts that you can afford to refuse. <laughs> but there are some gifts, if you refuse them, there, there are real, really serious consequences. And, 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 and in the New Testament, the sense of the word <coughs> is totally different. In that Old Testament... You, you, you got to bring something. You got to bring a sacrifice. You have to bring an offering. But when you, there's an amazing difference when you get into the New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, it was always you coming before the king, bringing a gift. It was you coming to church. And if, as fact, if you, did, if you didn't, you, you read the book of Malachi. Most people know Malachi for one verse. 
Will a man rob God? Yes, he'll rob him in tithes and offerings. But there's a whole lot more in Malachi than just that. And what Malachi is doing is he's appealing to these people because he's, he's really, he's a prophet. So uh, these guys don't have a sense of humor, you know. And, and, and they, they have a very, they don't live long, prophets. And, and very, very short shelf life. And, 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 and they, they, he said, look, you're going to church and, and you're, bringing, you're bringing Jehovah roadkill. You've you got some guy in a chair running over something in front of you and you're picking it up and you're taking it to the house of God. He said, here's my sacrifice. And he said, would you bring that to the governor? Would you bring that to the king? How, how, how come you're giving your God starvation army sacrifices? And that's what he said. Are you going to rob him? Yeah, of course you're robbing him. You're bringing him something in your best. And, and this is a concept that's there again and again and again. But when you get in the New Testament, it's not us giving the gift. It's him giving the gift to us. Instead of, instead of us giving a gift, try, try, boy, doesn't this sound familiar? Us giving a gift to God, trying to be accepted. The Lord has, in fact, given us a gift that will lift us up from where we were to where he is. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We weren't accepted without him. This is not me earning it. It's what he did for me that enables me to be in a realm and a place that I, that's totally foreign and off limits to me forever without his goodness and his largesse. Here's David, hundreds of years before Jesus. Here's David speaking prophetically. Psalm 68. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord might dwell among them. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. But, 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 but look what it says. He led captivity captive, and you received gifts for or from men. So, so <laughs> no matter how much you bring in the Old Testament, it's never going to be enough. But if this scripture sounds a little bit familiar, it should. Because this is what Paul quoted in Ephesians 4 when he said, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. It's really cool because in Psalm 68, it's the king giving the gifts, getting the gifts. But, but in the fulfillment of the prophecy, it's the king giving gifts to us. <laughs> so, so, you know, in the Old Testament, it was Jehovah did it. But, but, but you know, who, who, who ascended? Who, who ascended? Who, I know somebody that took him out as far as Bethany. He said, I'll be, I'll be back in a while. Bye. Woom. And all of a sudden, these angels are saying, why are you gazing up into heaven? It's the same Jesus that went away will so come again in like manner. That's why the Bible said, he that ascended, descended. It's just he went away, he's coming back. Yeah. Old Testament says, it's Jehovah that ascended. But when you get into, 
We're dealing with something else here. Here's Ezekiel 37 and verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, and in Hebrew, Thus saith Jehovah, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of the graves. Do, do you know anybody that brought people out of the graves? I do. I, I, the, the, Jesus, there's, there's, there's three funerals in the ministry of Jesus. One is, is, is uh, Jairus' daughter. She just died. And, and he, he goes in, and, and the Bible said he, he drove all of them out, even his disciples. I, I remember years ago at the old church, I, we, we had church in the morning, church in the evening. It was a, still a long day with two days. <laughs> we, we went to one service, you know. My mother, God bless my mother. She's going to be watching. I love you, Mom. Uh, buddy, when we went to one service, I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting rid of 30% of our services. I'm getting rid of 30% of our potential offerings. People are going to get bored. They're going to go to other churches on Sunday night. We're going to lose a bunch of people. But we went to one service, and, and my mom put me in the deepest, darkest pits of hell. Because you're not supposed to forsake the assembling of yourselves even so much more as you see a day approaching. And, and how dare you cut out Sunday night service? After three months, my precious mother came to me and she said, You know what, Harold Eugene? Sunday never was a day of rest for us. This is the best idea you ever had. I said, You hypocrite, you. Put me in the pits of hell for three months. Now we're back to two services again. It's still a long day. I won't kid you. I, 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 I take a nap after this second service. But we used to have Sunday morning service at 10. That would go to noon or 1230. Then we'd come back at 6. Have church at 6. Usually go to 9 or 10. It's a long day. And uh, I remember after Sunday night service. I'm tired. Go back to the office. Phone rings. Hello, Pastor Hoffman. The lady was from Lapeer. She said, um, 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 my brother, my brother, had a heart attack. He's in Beaumont in Royal Oak. Would you go pray for him? He's not supposed to live through the night. And I said, yes, ma'am. Okay, I'll go. And I didn't want to sell her. I'm wore out, but yeah, I'll go. You know? And so she said, oh, there's something I got to tell you. My brother hates your church. I said, what? She said, well, you haven't been a pastor that long, but the pastor that preceded you always had a tent revival out on the grass every summer. My brother owns the house right beside of your church. He's the guy that called the cops every night, one minute past nine o'clock, when he said the noise ordinance kicked in. He hates your church. Will you still go? Yeah, I'll go. So I go over to Beaumont, and, and there's this, I, I know we got nurses and medical people in this church. I, the man, less, this lady didn't have a good bedside manner. You know, you can just feel it. So what do you, what? We're the medical people. So what do you think is going to happen when you put your stupid hand on his head? And, and I said, ma'am, you don't believe what I, I'm, I'm telling you. The hardest place to operate in faith is a hospital. Because it's totally sold out to sense knowledge. And, 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 and God gave you five senses, you know, smell and sight and hearing, taste, touch. But he gave you those things to contact matter. God is spirit. You're not going to contact God because you've got 20-20 vision or you've got exceptional hearing. There's a sixth sense called faith. All right? You've got to understand that. 
And when you go to the hospital, it's like, we're the, we're the, we went to school. And what I want to say to you, it's called the practice of medicine. You haven't perfected nothing yet. You're still practicing. I mean, 100 years ago, they put leeches on people. That was cutting edge medicine. 100 years from now, if God tarries, that's what chemotherapy and radio, that, that's what that's going to look like. It kills cancer, kills everything else. And so I asked the lady very nicely, ma'am, I'd like you to step out, please. You're killing faith in this room. You say, oh, that was rude. No, Jesus did that at Jairus' house. You get out of here. You don't believe what I believe. So I go, this guy looks like a, a plumbing experiment. He's got tubes, all kinds of monitors. Thing. I said, do you know who I am? I said, I'm Harold Hoffman. I pastor the Apostolic Church right beside of your house. Do you know who I am now? I said, do you know you're going to die tonight? You're not going to see the sun come up in the morning. Do you know that? Will you permit me to pray for you? If God heals you and raises you up, will you serve him for the rest of your life? So I did what I do. I got to answer to God for this. Go. I'm not. This ain't evangelistic. Okay. I just. I just anointed him and started praying. Holy Ghost came in the room. All these monitors going. Woo, 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 woo. The old girl comes in. You got to get out of here. You know. And it's like okay. They released him the next day. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, I never saw him again. He never came to church. That's why the Bible said it's not the miracles, it's the word that will judge you. Not the He's done good stuff for all of us. But it's that word you've got to keep in paramount. And, 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 and it's just, I mean, they're, they're on the way to the funeral with the widow's son. He reaches in the box, opens the lid. You don't do that. Good Jews don't touch dead bodies. You're rendered ceremonially unclean. Jesus opens up the box and get out of there. That was a happy mom. That was a very unhappy funeral director who lost the thief and the crypt and the white chapel and everything else. Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. You know, I forget what Mary, Martha, one of them. Oh, for God's sakes, would you just let it go? He, he stinks by now. Roll away the stone. Hey, you know who this is? <laughs> hey, get out of there. And here he comes. You know? Do you understand it? Last, Cherish's daughter has just died. The widow's son is in the box on the way to the grave. Cherish has already been in the grave. The degree of death is immaterial to the resurrection and the life. I don't care if you just did it today, if you did it last week, or you're dying in your sins. I'm telling you, the degree of your sin is immaterial when the power of resurrection is present. And, and, and <laughs> it's just, this, this, this stuns me because this Bible is very clear. It says in the book of Ezekiel, I will open your graves. Do you know anybody that opened graves and people came out? I do. When Jesus died and was resurrected, it said the graves of the saints which slept 
were opened and many went into Jerusalem. How many of you here remember Carl Hill? Can I see your hand? There's a few remember Carl Hill. What, 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 what about Bob Campbell? Anybody here remember Bob? What, 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 what about uh, um, Bill O'Keefe? Anybody here remember? It would be like going to Texas Roadhouse today and all of a sudden there's Carl Hill with Bob Campbell and Bill O'Keefe having lunch. How you doing? That's what happened. So there was such a power released when Jesus came out of the grave. It was like a seismic effect. Whoa. And anybody that was fortunate enough to be buried close to where he was resurrected, literally, it popped them out of the tomb. Many awoke and went into Jerusalem. <laughs> I know somebody that did that. Ezekiel said Jehovah's going to do that. But I can prove to you Jesus did that. I've never taught you much about Job. I've always wanted to because Job, oldest book in the, in the Bible. Job, Job, Job shows up probably in Genesis chapter 10 in what was known as the land of us. Job, Job in 9 and 8 says, which, spreadeth, which alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea. Job, in Hebrew it said that Jehovah would tread or walk on the, do you know anybody that can walk on water? I do. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Does anybody know a Savior here today? And thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. <laughs> that's, that's Isaiah 35 and 4. Let me give you 35 and 5. And then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer or as a heart. The tongue of the deaf, dumb will... Does anybody know anybody that can open up blinded eyes? Anybody that could allow deaf people to hear? Anybody that could cause lame people to get up and walk? I do. The kings of the Old Testament who received gifts from men now has become the king of the New Testament who gives gifts to men. I've taught to you for years from Exodus 22, which is the restitution chapter. It says if, if, if what he stole be found in the thief in his hand alive, because Israel, they're, they're farmers. It's an agricultural community. If you stole somebody's oxen, it's like stealing their tractor. They, they, they can't plow the land. They can't have a garden. They can't feed themselves. If, you, if all of a sudden you're down at a 7-Eleven at 8 mile, 4 in the morning trying to sell an oxen, and they, and they go, that's my ox. You just, well, here you go. I'll give it back. You just can't give the ox back that you stole. You've got to give four more on top of the one you stole. And that's the Old Testament concept of restitution. The one that's doing the stealing has to give it back. But when you get in the New Testament, it's not the one that stole that gives back. It's the one that's been stolen from. You see, you're his sons. You're his daughters. You were lost. He lost you. You became slaves. So he came to redeem or purchase or buy you with his blood. 
it's staggering to me. He's the one that got stolen from. But he's going to do the restoring. And trust me, he is not a man that he can lie. So when God says, I'm going to do it, it's going to happen. <laughs> Have you ever heard anyone say, you need to give your life to Jesus? That truth doesn't go far enough. Because that's the effect. That's not the cause. That, that, that's the fruit, not the root. It's the apostolic church, holiness church. I was taught all my life holiness was what you wear. No, it isn't. Holiness is, is not a tune on a clothesline. Holiness is the nature of God. What is holiness? You love what's right, you hate what's wrong. God is holy. He loves what's right. He doesn't want anything to do with what's wrong. Holiness is not your dress or your lack of stuff. But I said, well, yeah, he's a holiness preacher, which means he, they're really good at it. Can't wear this, can't do that. And I believe in discipline. I really do. But you've got to understand something. You've you got to understand that's a fact. That's not cause. Don't you ever deal with someone say, you've got to take off this, you've got to quit wearing that, you can't cut this, you can't play putt-putt golf, you can't have cars. I mean, I, before I came to Detroit, I lived in a place where you could, if you had a Christmas tree, you were going to hell. If you had a wedding ring, you were going to hell. If you had a, if you, if you had a short sleeve white shirt, you're going to hell. If you had a long sleeve color shirt, you're going to hell. And don't even think about playing golf. And they're updating the holiness list. Every, and some of you are listening to me right now, you know what I'm talking about. My father-in-law and I used to wear a suit to the golf course and put on a short sleeve colored shirt. I was taught all my life, you play golf, you're going to hell. So I married Renee. I married Renee two weeks. All of a sudden, my father-in-law gets me up at six in the morning, says, if you're going to be my son-in-law, you're going to play golf. Gives me a three wood and a brown paper bag full of shags, old, old beat up balls. Let's go. So I went out there and said, oh God, it's going to strike me dead. That's why I missed the ball so much that first time I played. <laughs> Waiting for the lightning. All of a sudden, I, I found out I, I was having a good time out there. I met great people. I won people from the golf course. I saw all my life, don't you dare go to the baseball game. You're going to hell for your baseball game. Except I had a Joe DiMaggio. I had a signed, Joe DiMaggio didn't sign a lot of stuff. I had signed Joe DiMaggio stuff. All of a sudden, I got Rotten Ray Martinez. I called him the two Sues. Sue Martinez, Sue Fellas came here. Their stupid pastor told both of them women to divorce their husbands because they're not serving God and they're, they're a weight on you. But talk to Jim Fellows now. And Rotten Ray is now Amazing Ray. And he's the head of security of this church. Thank God they didn't listen to that stupid preacher. But when I'm going to catch it for that, because my wife said, you're not that stupid today. I was preaching in Newark, Ohio years ago, and Lois is dead now, so I can talk about her. I was there for seven weeks in a row. That's Tuesday through Sunday and twice on Sunday. Every, every night. We'd have dinner after church, and she had bring out this little, this little notebook, and she said, you said seen instead of saw. He said eight, four times. 
You should have said did, not done. I mean, it's seven weeks of that foolishness. After seven weeks, I said, Sister Lois, do you remember what I said before I messed up? She said, no. I said, do you remember what I said after I messed up? She said, no. I said, if I wouldn't have messed up, you wouldn't have missed nothing in seven weeks. Her husband went. So I'm going to get castigated today for saying stupid, but it was stupid. All right? Not ignorant. You can fix ignorant. All right? Brother Forrest Gump taught me, stupid is the stupid does. It's in a bone. You can't fix stupid. You don't ever tell a woman, divorce her husband. God hates divorce. God's a God of restoration. God's trying to bring families back together, not rip them apart. And I know I'm preaching to people who've been divorced, but you all agree with me. Nobody wins in a divorce. Everybody loses. It's just, oh, oh, we, 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 we got to wrap our brain around this stuff. This, 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 this stuff staggers me. <laughs> I, 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 I can't get distracted. Knocking it shall be opened unto you. <clears throat> Asking you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. For what? Man has a son. And he asked for a piece of bread, would you give him a stone? If he asked for an egg, would you give him a serpent? Would you give him a scorpion? Watch what he says in Luke 11. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Is Renee here yet? She's coming. She's at the airport. She, been, she left. She been fly, flew all day yesterday. Get one of the grandkids, bring her back. Come, we're excited. I get my, my, my small, my newest granddaughter, Cameron. She's like 15, 16 months. She came to see me a couple weeks ago. Well, she came. She didn't come to see me. I walked in the room and I said, hi, it's, I'm really glad to meet you. She looked at me in her little, little bottom of a... She went, ah! And just took off running. Three days I tried to... Mm-mm. It was so bad one time Renee was holding her in the living room. I was out on the porch cooking on the grill. When she saw me, that was it. She lost it. Yesterday, yesterday, I called Renee and, and, and I said, so Grandma, how you doing? She started laughing. She said, Harold, I got you on the speakerphone. As soon as Cameron heard your voice, she's already running for the back bedroom. But I got a secret grandpa weapon. I'm telling you, I'm going to fix this problem. I, you, you, you know, because Parker's coming, see, and I, all, I'm taking Ray to the, to the airport. All she is is on the phone with you women. Yeah, we can do this. Okay, we'll do Build-A-Bear on Tuesday. Yeah, okay, I know, that's 80 bucks right there, okay? Build-A-Bear, boom. Then we're going, next day, we're going to Rainforest Cafe. 
Well, it's lousy food, but I already, you're going to pay for that monkey. And that all, you're going to, and I'm, then we're going to Chicago to do this thing. And then we're going on, and she's recruiting all you women every day with grandma's party day. And it's going to cost me a lot of money, but I don't care, see, because while I went from Parker saying, my grandpa Hoffman treats me better than my grandpa Wester. <laughs> that's, that's my goal in life. I know how to give great gifts to my kids. And if I got enough sense to know how to give great gifts to my children, how much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? You want to talk about winning the lottery? Why is it grace? Why is it a mercy? Why is it the Holy Ghost? Why? Because it's what Paul in Corinthians 9 calls the unspeakable gift. <laughs> I got, I got, I get Netto's here, Honorado Netto. I get a big kick out of this. Mom, here, I love you, Mom. Okay. When are we going to sing some of them great old songs? You know, when is Draylon going to learn them old songs? I love it because last week we had Draylon's, you know, his, 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 his song here. I'll tell you who's the first one of the older. Honorato Neto. How old is daddy? How old is he? 80? Want to be 80. Hold on. Oh! 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 I'm grabbing that old man and hugging him because my daddy would be going. You know what all reminds me of my daddy? Everybody was kung fu fighting. Oh, oh, that's all he remembers, you know? But here's Honorado up there. Oh, 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 oh. I love that. (laughs) But he'll mess with your head at prayer meeting because he prays in Portuguese. You think, man, that dude talks in tongues more than anybody. He prays in Portuguese. All right? I, I, I got Brother Butchers. I got Sophie here. They, 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 they can pray in Arabic. Sajith is here. He can pray in Hindi. I got Makito and Mina. They can pray in Japanese. I don't care how many languages you're fluent in. You're never going to have enough languages to adequately describe the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is the unspeakable gift. The words have not been invented that can adequately put a value on what he's done for me and you. Oh, Jesus. Do not give me that drivel and do not give me that vitriolic acid that says, I gave up so much to serve God. Yeah, if you're a smoker, you gave up lung cancer. And if you're a drinker, you gave up cirrhosis of the liver. And you gave up hell, big sacrifice. I gave up nothing to serve Jesus. The greatest day of my life was when I hitched my wagon to a star and he filled me with his spirit. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I found it yesterday. I was working in my office. All of a sudden, something fell out of an old book. 
I looked at it. It was, tra- it was my baptismal certificate. December 10th, 1967. I was filled with the, I was baptized in the name of Jesus. I was 10 years old. It was like, that don't mean anything to anybody. I mean, I remember, I remember the ice on the water. I remember them being, ba- I, I remember that, man. It's just, how do you, how do you, <laughs> he's the great philanthropist. Don't you get it? This is, oh, I get, you gave up nothing. Don't this, we do this out of gratitude. Why do you come to church? Why do you worship the way you do? Why do you look the way you do? This is no sacrifice. I return this as an offering of thanksgiving. Look what he's done for me. Get this garbage out of your brain. I gave up so much. I heard Kinto, Kinto did it today. I love these young ministers trying to train them. If I could pass a law in this church, I would pass a law that we never, ever, ever, ever use the word give again. Okay, we're gonna take up an offering. You're not taking up nothing. We're gonna give. I wanna use the word return. We're gonna return now. Cause you have given nothing if he hadn't put it in your hand in the first place. I gotta pay my tithes. You ought to thank God every day that you got a great job. Amen. That he gave you the ability to talk and to function and to work for somebody to give you an honest day's wage for an honest day's pay. And then you're going to gripe about 10%? For God's sakes, a waitress gets 15. That's why Paul said unto him, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, world without end. I don't know how to describe this. It's world without end. I mean, every year, every year, we, we, we Lord does it, I think, every quarter, but I know every year, he, here's your, here's your, what you returned. Here's so much for your offering. Here's so much for missions. Here's so much for tithing. There's so much for special offerings. How do you estimate, how do you give one of them to Jesus? How do you, how do you verbalize what he gave you and me? I mean, Peter, Peter's up sleeping in a guy at Powell's house. All of a sudden, this sheet comes down and opens up. There's all this stuff in there. He's been taught all this. Don't you dare you dead. I was at Bad Brad's this week with somebody, Straylon's birthday. He said, let's get some pig candy. Yeah. Lady comes, I said, I want that good Jewish food. <laughs> she starts laughing. All of a sudden, sheet opens, there's pigs in there, rabbits, shrimp. Rise, Peter, killing it. No, the chance. Same dream again, same response, not a same three times. I'm I'm a good Jewish boy. I only eat kosher stuff. I need and the Lord said, Don't you ever, ever call anything I've cleansed common. You got that, preacher? All of a sudden downstairs knocking the door. Opens the door and here's all these dogs. It's Roman soldiers. My boss sent me over here. My commander sent me. Would you come to his house and teach him Bible? No, no. Oh, boy. 
We're not talking about pigs here, are we? Talking about people. So Peter, being Peter, gets six pals to cover his tracks. Posse takes him over. Verse 43, to him give all the prophets witness. Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, Holy Ghost fell on all that heard the word. And then it says this, And they of the circumcision which also came with Peter were astonished. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Watch. For they heard them speak with tongues. Toughest audience to convince back then was those egotistical self-righteous Jews that came with Pete. I think when he said, can any man forbid water? I always looked at that another way. I think Peter's going, would you guys think of something fast? Because if you don't come with a good excuse, I'm going to have to baptize these bums and I'm going to get in big trouble with the district. The most, the toughest people to convince were those Jews that came with Peter. You know how they know and people were filled with the Holy Spirit? They heard them speak with tongues. How are you going to know I've been filled with the Holy Spirit? You're going to hear me speak with tongues. How am I going to know you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to hear you speak with tongues. Do you get what I'm saying to you right now? We would have never been in the church if the Lord wouldn't have poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit before these people were ever baptized because they purified their heart by faith, which means they repented. You can get the Holy Ghost without being baptized. You will never get the Holy Ghost without repenting. Unspeakable gift. Stand with me. So I go trying, I'm trying to go to many open houses as I can. And if I've missed yours, I apologize. But you graduates know as well as I do, it doesn't matter if I show up. All you want is the card. <clears throat> and it's not the card. You're just going to cut that thing open and shake it, see if anything falls out. If anything falls out, eh, sheepscape bum. We got wonderful kids that have graduated from high school and college. If you're capable, give them a card and put some money in it. They deserve it. We're a gift-giving church. You're going to go out there today sunshining. I had a friend in Florida. I said, we're going to rapture before you. He said, why? I said, because it said Jesus coming in the clouds. We got a lot of cloudy days, a lot of overcast days in Michigan. We're going first. You got that? You bums down there, and you're going to be the caboose. Last going to be first now. He's laughing. I'm telling you why. It's reflected light. Lord Jesus. Come with me around this altar. Come with me. Lord Jesus, I apologize on behalf of myself and this flock that I have and an under-shepherd. 
You've given me responsibility to these people. I apologize, Lord, for any time we've ever packaged this in such a way to make this a have to and not a get to. I want to. Dear Jesus, please help us to get the revelation and the understanding. And I'm not ever going to return anything to you if you didn't give it to me in the first place. Whether that's money, whether that's time, whether that's talent. If I'm, if I'm talking to a graduate right now, it is toying with the idea that maybe, just maybe, I'm going to walk away from the covenant. I'm going to walk away from all these rules and all these mandates and all these regulations. And I'm just going to experience the liberty and freedom that I legitimately should have. I would help us and remind us, Lord, right now. You died for me when I was still a sinner. Your word says you know my name and you know my surname. You know my first name, you know my family name. Lord Jesus, there's not a man, a woman, a young woman, a young man, an elder in this room here right now that has not been the beneficiary of your largesse and the great philanthropist of the universe. I can't quantify the cost that you paid in order for us to have your gift. But before I ever again start to doubt or question the cost of serving you, help me please try to estimate one more time just how much it costs for you to wash my sins away, for you to fill me with your Holy Spirit, for you to enable me to be a part of the family of God on this earth. It is quite possible that in this room right now, Lord, someone very sick in their body. I, I, I have no way. I, I, know, I know millions of people have been whipped through the years. Millions of people have been tortured through the years. But none of their, their stripes healed anybody. But the stripes that were laid on your back brought healing to men and women, Lord. That wasn't that 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 was far superior than than any price that's ever 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 been paid, Lord Jesus. I the, 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 how do I how do I put a price on the hope? My daddy's dying. My mom's gonna follow soon, but I'm not afraid for them, and I'm not afraid for me. How do, how do I put a value, Lord, on the hope that lives in my spirit? Amen. That it ain't over just because someone else says it's over. I, I, I have no way of quantifying that. But I am asking you, Lord, for as long as we walk on this planet, to let there be a great spirit of, of, thanks, of thanksgiving in my heart. God of healing from my left to my right from the lobby all the way up to this platform do a mass healing in this room right now Brendan needs healed Jim needs healed Marlena needs healed I can go on and on and on Lord there's healings that need to take place right now there are marriages that are under duress and attack right now 
Oh, Jesus, please. I don't want kids to ever have to hear that word irreconcilable differences. I, I, I don't want kids to ever have to wonder about which week they're going to spend with daddy and which ones with mommy. I, I'm asking you. Oh, Jesus. I came up here to preach today and Andrew Lewis came over. He said, want some good news? I said, yeah. Yeah, I'd like some good news. He said, you know, God gave me a great job six months ago. I said, yes, sir. I, he said, you, you, you know, they gave me a raise. Right, right. I, yes, I know that. He said, Friday, they doubled my pay. They, they doubled my pay. He said, I, I, he said, I came home. He said, as soon as I came home, somebody from this church called me and said, Andrew, I got a car I, I want to give to you and to your wife. Could, could you? He said, oh. And he said, Pastor, he said, I, they double. He said, I'm not talking about a raise. He said, they double my pay. Plus, I got a free car. Ah, uh, you want to know why people like that happen? Because there's a God that's been gracious and has gifted us. There would be no apostle without the Holy Ghost. There would be no prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It's the gift that keeps on giving. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want you to sing. These people are going to sing. I want everybody's in the choir today, okay? Everybody. I don't care if you're flat, tone deaf. I want you to sing. But we're going to sing unto the Lord at the end of this service. Be grateful. Just be grateful. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, God is, is what my heart, heart longs for. To be 